GM Zingers, how are you all doing today? My name is Logan, and I'd like to welcome you back to Moon or Bust Flight 75 today, your home for all things altcoins and DeFi. Happy Mutant Monday, Ryan. How we doing? Doing well. We're in the holiday spirit here in Benziga's headquarters, jamming out to Christmas music all day. Yes, indeed we are, and I'm not sick of it whatsoever. Uh, okay, so what's going on in today's show, Ryan? We're going to be talking to Carl Jacob. He founded Loan Snap. He was an early investor into Facebook on the advisory council. We're actually going to be getting into that interview right away. He's founded Bacon Protocol. He's tokenizing mortgages on the blockchain. So very interesting stuff going on starting right away. And then we'll be taking a look at some crypto markets, some NFTs after right around 2.30. All right. So Carl is needs about five minutes. So Let's talk about what everybody has been looking at uh, over the weekend. Um, personally, I have been not looking because it's all been going down, but there are a couple NFT projects that I've been keeping my eyes on. Uh, but I want to hear what you guys have been looking at. So drop a comment in the chat below uh, right now and let us know the projects, NFT or otherwise, that you've been looking at. And, and we'll get time to cover them all in the morning. Do you hear that? I do hear that. Yo, okay. Sorry, little little production uh, blip there on the back end, but we're all good to go now. So Ryan, what have you been looking at this weekend? Well, like you said, Logan, I haven't really been looking at coins too much. I mean, Bitcoin and Ethereum, they're both down. I personally am not too bothered by it, considering I am mostly in a liquid JPEGs at this point. Uh, but we can definitely look at some NFTs. I think it'd be good to look at the ETH Bitcoin pair. Uh, but yeah, not too much has happened over the past week. Ethereum's now under $4,000. Bitcoin is under $50,000. We are definitely in a downtrend, but I think this is short term. Hopefully by January, we'll see an uptrend take place. Uh, but yeah, let's get right into it, Logan. Do you have a chart we can pull up? Maybe look at some fungible tokens to start? Uh, just because we don't have a whole lot of time, I say we wait on the charts for now. Um, but Ryan, I, I hear you know a thing or two about real estate. Could you tell us a little primer on Bacon Protocol before Carl joins? Yeah, Bacon Protocol is really exciting. They're tokenizing mortgages on the blockchain, cutting a lot of inefficiencies out through DeFi, through smart contracts. Uh, but I see Carl is backstage. I think we should bring him on. He knows most about it. And this is going to be a good interview. So I think we should get right to it. All right. Carl, I'm going to bring you on now. I don't see your video feed yet. Uh, I'm working on it right now. Yeah, it's a, all right. you know, Monday morning. Computer's a little bit off. <laughs> no worries. We can hear you. Uh, it's all good. So just like to, to say welcome. Excited to have you on today. Uh, and we'll kick it off as soon as the video feed is working. Great. Give me just uh, two seconds here. This is a perfect opportunity for us to mention the beautiful like button down right below our video screen next to that comment section. Uh, right now it is empty, and if you click on it, it will fill up. It will not be empty anymore, and neither will my heart. That's my uh, Christmas wish, guys. I just want likes on this video. It doesn't cost you anything. I've been really good this year. Made sure to stay off the naughty list, so please, please just give us a few likes on this video. It really helps out. Uh, I'm not buying that. Uh, I'm not, not you, sure you if you have to buy it. <laughs> as long as Santa buys it. Last time we got a, a record 69 likes, not actually a record, but we got 69 likes on, on last week's episode. Uh, and one of our dedicated viewers of Mooner Bust agreed to get 
a tattoo of our design. Uh, so we've, we've been messing around with some design ideas. I want to make it simple. Uh, give it a nice clean moon design, maybe a little bit of uh, a moon or bust, but I want it to be more aesthetically pleasing than, you know, branding fit focused. Uh, but yeah, if you guys have any ideas for that, drop them in the chat as well. Uh, I mean, I guess we have a second. Maybe we could take a look uh, at some at some charts. There's been a couple of coins ripping, Logan. Let me pull up Coin Market Cap because those are the ones that are getting all the attention. Let's see, Solana's up 12% so far on the weekly. We're at $175, so still down from all-time highs. Uh, but we have Terra Luna up 46% on the weekly, all the way up to $80. Rank nine on Coin Market Cap. Have you been following Terra Luna at all, Logan? I really haven't been. Uh, following it, like just barely. I mean, I, I'm. I familiarized with my, myself with, with the protocol a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I've been keeping an eye on it. But I uh, was a bit hesitant to just jump in. I was pretty illiquid, um, and, and so I have missed out on these huge gains. Uh, and it's just getting me more and, and more sad, fomoing harder and harder each day. Uh, it's actually crazy how well Luna has been holding up throughout the the bull or the bear run that we've been going through 46% on the seven day. Uh, and Carl got it all set up. Hey, finally made it happen. Monday actually is being good to me. <laughs> Glad to hear it. So Carl, I want to kick it off uh, with, with a story I heard you tell on an old interview. Okay. You were uh, on vacation in Cozumel, uh, but it was abruptly cut off uh, by a man known as Sean Parker. Can you tell that story for us, Carl? <laughs> you bet. Yeah, it's been a while since I've told that one. Yeah. So uh, uh, I was trying to enjoy my vacation and Parker uh, would not leave me alone. Uh, if you know Sean, you know that he's a pretty persistent guy and uh, kept calling, kept calling. I finally picked up and he said, hey, man, you need to come to San Francisco and meet these guys. I said, I'm on vacation. I'm kiteboarding. I'm relaxed. And uh, he said, no, this is really important because I'm going to I'm actually going to pay you back for all the help you gave me over the years. And uh so I got on a plane and I flew to San Francisco and it turned out that uh, was a meeting with Mark Zuckerberg and became an advisor for Facebook when it was six guys in a house in Palo Alto. And uh, man, did I not know how that one was going to go from the beginning. That's for sure. At what point did you realize how big this thing actually was? I, I mean, I think beating Mark, I, I, I did have this sense that he was on a mission. You know, I mean, I think really early on that, he wanted to connect the world. Honestly, I think a lot of people talk about like, oh, I knew in the very beginning. I think that's BS, honestly. Um, I think once we made the decision to move outside of colleges, it, it's crazy to think that that was a decision, but that was a huge decision. I was like, wow, this thing is is going to be big. And the numbers, if we saw the same numbers kind of outside of colleges as we did, it was going to be everywhere. Uh, so that was that was probably the moment. Do you invest primarily in people or ideas? Uh, people, for sure. I, I've made the mistake of uh, Twitter is a good example of not investing in an idea. Before Twitter, there was Odeo and I passed on Odeo. I knew a quote a lot about podcasting and it was my first real lesson. And it's all about the founders. And if the idea is a bad idea, they will figure out a way to come up with a better one. And uh, I've gotten some repeat lessons on that. And now it's almost 100% people. I think the idea is a representation of how the people think. So I think you have to kind of evaluate it from that perspective. So if you don't like the idea, it's important to really understand how they got there. And that usually tells you a lot about the person. 
Interesting. So do you still talk to, to Mark by chance? Uh, every once in a while. I, I haven't uh, talked to him nearly as much as I, as I used to. It's, you know, when it's six people, it's a whole different environment than it is. Uh, I don't know how many people it is, is now. And he's got a lot of really smart people around him. And uh, I, I'm an early stage guy. I'm not a public company guy. I'm not sure how much help I would be in the current uh, situation. <laughs> so speaking of that current situation, what do you think of the transition to meta uh, and the entrance into the metaverse space? You know, it's interesting. I I've heard a lot of commentary. I've been to a lot of conferences where it's like, oh my gosh, you know, Facebook, welcome to the metaverse. It's uh, welcome, you know, where have you been? That kind of thing. You know, they bought Oculus like five years ago. <laughs> so I, I, I kind of laugh, right? Because Facebook has been thinking about VR and the metaverse for, for quite a long time. Um, I think the rebrand is is probably, you know, from a marketing perspective, super smart. If you look at companies who've done that in the past, it really helps people kind of get out of this mode of thinking that Facebook is just about this website where people go to make friends. I mean, it's obviously a lot more than that. I think it's been a long time coming for the company. I think it's net positive. The name, whatever, I, I don't think it really matters. I think it's more that there's some overarching brand, like a lot like Alphabet did with Google. Right where where it was, you know, everybody thought of Google as a search site, and obviously they have a lot more products, but people didn't really have the brain space for that until they changed their name and mm -hmm. thought, oh, okay, there's a suite of products. Facebook, same thing. You know, you think of Facebook. In fact, you know, go ask ten people who owns Instagram, and most people would not say Facebook. Right? They're, they 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 still don't know. Um, and I think that's an opportunity for them to kind of say, well, look, we have a suite of products that you can use. Um, Oculus being one of them, some of the stuff that my friend Thomas Reardon is doing there around, you know, input, you know, without using, you know, typing and, and, and all that stuff. So basically using reading off of your, your, your brain signals, um, you know, that doesn't really fit under the Instagram moniker or the Facebook moniker. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you ever see Meta integrating with a public blockchain like Ethereum, or do you think that they'll create some sort of their own blockchain, you know, down the line in the future? That's a that's a tough one. I I think David Marcus is a super smart guy, and I think that team is super understanding of the fact that this is a much bigger thing than one company. Uh, a lot of the people that are at Facebook who are working on that project have had some experience in the early days of the internet. I think this is kind of like the internet 1.0, the or web 1.0, web 2.0, web 3.0 thing. We're going web 1.0 was a lot more like web 3.0. Right. And it was like all about the community and peer to peer. I mean, the Internet was built to withstand, you know, a large attack on the country. And so by definition, it had to be peer to peer because otherwise it wouldn't have survived. And I think that they are trying to honor that more now as they're realizing that this is not just kind of a sideshow to the future. It is probably the future. And that's, I think, one of those themes that's starting to emerge is these large companies are saying, gosh, this is like the Internet was, which is you could be like AOL and try to build your own walled garden and stand alone, or you could join in the community uh, and participate. And everybody does better in that in that scenario. And you can fight it for a long time. AOL fought the Internet for a really, really long time. And of course, we all know who won. Uh, but you look back on that. And at the time, most people who were accessing the internet were on the consumer side were doing it through AOL. And, and I think same thing with the blockchain. There are a lot of people building their own chain, their, their startups building their own chain, which just blows me away 
to think that's like talking about building your own internet, which I'm sure some people tried to do in the early days uh, outside of AOL. I'm sure there were startups like saying, oh, we're going to build our own internet and dominate the space versus participating, which I think is the right approach. Interesting. Definitely. So with that being said, do you think that centralized and decentralized metaverses can succeed simultaneously or will one win in the long term? Well, um, I think that centralized entities exist in most of the systems that we have today. If you look at the Internet, right, I mean, there are obviously centralized systems there that have survived pretty well. I kind of go back to how Hollywood works, which is there are very centralized studios like Universal or, or Disney, and they're very decentralized um, groups a lot of the indie films and things like that. And so um, I think there's I think there's room for for both. I think it ebbs and flows. And I think we've obviously seen a big push toward on the web 2.0 side toward centralization and the pluses and minuses of that. A lot of times centralization is important to break new ground because it really does take a unified effort. If you look at the early internet, a lot of the problem was that there were lots of debates. It, it's hard to imagine, but we there were debates about whether TCPIP, the internet protocol, was the right protocol, right? P people had argued like maybe we should have some other kind of protocol or maybe it's not good enough. And I think when you open it up to debate for a large community, sometimes you don't get things done quickly enough. And that's where centralized things work and kind of prove out like, hey, here's an example of what you can do that contributes to, to all that. And then you kind of wane back and forth, right? Um, I think we're on the side of going you know, more decentralized now and seeing yeah, I'm gonna, that, I'm but, shoot a message to the guys. I'm not doing but these big companies, I think, um, are starting to participate in that now seeing the future. And look, let's go back in history. Microsoft didn't see the Internet coming and it took them probably five years to accept it. I think you could argue that Microsoft got it. And they're definitely um, doing a great job. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't uh, think we'll do cannabis next internet. week either because I'll, I'm, I'm out. Carl, when and why did you fully commit to the Web3 space? That's a great question. So three years ago, we were probably one of those centralized companies. You know, we thought about like, hey, it's a technology. We'll leverage it. Uh, it'll be a part of our business, but it'll never be oh, huge. Um, and then I saw DeFi. And honestly, we we mostly ignored it at first it was small and there wasn't a lot of liquidity and and the idea that something as big as the internet was going to happen was hard to comprehend to be honest and then you saw the liquidity enter the system and you saw the systems being built so much faster than we thought possible before and the traction that those systems were getting and realized man it is you got to get out of the game of centralized and into the game of decentralized and you go from being effectively, you know, somebody who says, hey, I, I think I can own this to somebody saying, hey, I need to participate in this ecosystem and contribute. And that's a that's the shift I think most companies are having a hard time with is, is basically, hey, this is a time for you to kind of set aside some of your ideas about owning everything and talk to your board about it and say, hey, we want to participate in this ecosystem. And if we do, we have to contribute, which is, is what we did. We, rather than saying, hey, we're going to build this entire blockchain for, for mortgage, like Provenance and others have, have tried to do, we're going to try to participate in the existing chain um, in a way that honors it in the sense that we wrapped NFTs around the smallest real world item that we thought was interesting to the chain, which is the lean on the house. And that was a 
big step, right? I mean, because anybody could take that NFT and lend against it, not just us. And that that opens us up, obviously, to quite a bit of competition. But we think that's positive for the overall ecosystem. Interesting. So uh, this is the the basic premise around the Bacon Protocol, right? The tokenizing uh, of mortgages, liens, and real world assets in general. Uh, why did you pick this niche within the Web three space? Um, and, and like, what's what's exciting you the most about it in particular? Well, we actually it was selfish, right? So we have a problem in fintech, and a lot of people don't talk about it openly. And the, and the problem is that as good as you can be as a financial technology company, someone still buys your loans. Like, so if you think about SoFi or, or just pick the most, you know, your favorite fintech company, the issue is they make money on creating the loan, and then they sell that loan off to somebody else, and they make the lion's share of money. So just a quick example, let's say you make $5,000 creating a mortgage and selling it to somebody. And that those are pretty good economics, you know, $5,000 per loan. The bank on the other side of that transaction makes between $18,000 and $20,000 on that loan that you sold to them. That's not great economics for the startup or the company who created that. And so we started thinking about how do we solve that? And the answer is it's very difficult because the people buying those loans are very large institutions, banks and governments. They're the only ones who have the cash to do it. And so we started thinking like, well, how would we solve this? And we started thinking about what well, we needed, what we called a distributed balance sheet. We need a balance sheet, but we don't want to own the balance sheet because that's a bank or a government uh, or manage the balance sheet. And so we had this idea and DeFi didn't exist yet. And then we saw DeFi coming like, there it is. Like this is the distributed balance sheet. The idea that the money for investing in these loans or buying our loans could come from millions of individuals, not these gigantic financial institutions that are buying them today. And to give you a sense of that, Wells Fargo carries about $275 billion of mortgages on their balance sheet. The federal government carries about $3 trillion of mortgages on their balance sheet. So these are gigantic pools of loans that they buy. And so because of that, they control the market and they control the terms. And this is this is the reason for the 30-year mortgage and the 15 and why there's not more flexibility in these financial instruments because the entities buying them do not want flexibility. They want to buy hundreds of millions of dollars of these things at a time. And when you're doing that, you're not very flexible. Oh, yeah. not really Carl, who are your clients right now? And who do you see Bacon Protocol being for in the long term? So in the short short run, you know, we, we, have, we run a mortgage company. We sell to consumers across the United States. Uh, we mostly focus on what you call qualified mortgages, which are mortgages that are r- roughly around $450,000 average. Um, so, you know, straight up the middle. And those are mortgages that the federal government will buy. And that's important because you always want to have a buyer of that size. Even during the financial crisis, they were buying mortgages. Mm. I think for the future, that's the power of leveraging DeFi and the blockchain is that the buyers of these loans are now people all around the world. So you can have a lot more flexibility. And I'll give you an example of what that makes possible. The new loans that we're doing, we call them smart loans 2.0, have two unique qualities today and we'll have more in the future. The first is that you don't have to pay the loan back over a specified period of time. So you can, there's no more 30 year mortgage. Basically, if you want to pay it over 10 years, you can 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, hundred years, that's fine. As long as you pay 
you know, the interest back, uh, we're, we're fine. And so is the protocol. So that that's one. Two, uh, because we wrap the lien in an NFT, uh, and that's something that can be put on the blockchain and somebody else can kind of swoop in. So imagine this scenario, you have a lien on your home and somebody is willing to give you a loan against that at 3%. And maybe you get a better job or maybe your credit score increases or, or something positive happens to you. Or maybe the market just moves and a new group comes in on the DeFi side who's willing to invest at mortgages at 2.5%. Well, normally you'd have to refi that loan and submit all this paperwork. And the average to do that is about 46 days. In the blockchain world, what you could do is basically just say, hey, I'm interested in people refinancing my loan. Somebody could come along and basically swap out the lien on the NFT at 3% for one at 2.5%. And you get a little reminder on your phone that says, hey, would you like to lower your interest, your payment, your monthly payment by this amount? Yes or no. That's quite a bit better than the existing world. And that's just working within the existing framework of lending. The, the other part of this is that a lot of people lending the money are now not banks and financial institutions and are probably a lot more tolerant of, say, lower credit scores or home values that are different or maybe even areas of the world that other investors won't invest in uh, that might be a little bit more risky, but also pay a bigger return. And in comparison to some of the crypto assets that people are lending against, <laughs> homes are you know, uh, relatively safe if you compare the two. So, Carl, I'm interested to know, are these NFTs built on Ethereum? And if so, do you have plans for interoperability with other protocols in the future? They are built on Ethereum. Uh, that was uh, we made that decision about a year ago uh, and I would still stick with it. I think there's a lot of positive moves in Ethereum, although, for sure. man, the number one complaint on the Discord is gas fees, number one by far, which has been interesting. It surprised us a little bit. We thought most of the people investing in this would be whales or relatively large wallets. It's not. It's it's. I think we've got over 120 wallets already in investing in the protocol. And it's a lot of smaller investors who are looking at this like, hey, I know I have a savings account in the real world that's paying me almost nothing. And it's backed by something called mortgages. And now this thing sounds like that uh, and, and is very similar. So maybe that's something I, I should do uh, as a balance to my portfolio. And if I'm going to you know, lever up and borrow a bunch of money against X, Y, or Z, maybe this, this other more, this asset that's backed by something in the real world might be a good hedge against, you know, some of the stuff you were talking about earlier <laughs> that's going on in the market today. Um, moves to other chains and or uh, interoperability and things like that, for sure. I mean, I think there's, there's a, for us, there's a big fork in the road on that stuff, no pun intended, is that, you know, we'll stay on Ethereum, but we need liquidity and speed. And, and so most people need just speed. For, for us, liquidity is an important part of the equation because these aren't $100 loans. The, these are you know $100,000 loans. And so you got to be able to soak up a fair amount of those to, to make an impact. So Solano is very interesting to us. Uh, you know, know some know some of the team over there. And I think there's a lot of interesting things and a lot of the other chains. And then, as you pointed out, there's a lot of these interoperability products that are coming that that feel like they could work quite well for us. And so short answer is yes. Interesting. And on this topic, what is Behome Coin and what is it used for within the ecosystem of Bacon Protocol? Yeah, so it's a little bit confusing, but Bacon is the overall protocol uh, and will be the name of the governance token that will launch uh, later this year, early next year. 
um, BHOME is the first coin. And so when we, when we do a coin, the goal is that it has kind of specific ideas about the kind of mortgages it will fund. So when an investor buys it, they'll be able to look and say, oh, okay, these are you know, loans that have over X credit score. Uh, the loan to value is X, Y, and Z. And so BHOME is written to Fannie Mae spec. So basically it's the same specification that the government has for buying loans. We enforce on the loans that are placed into the BHOME pool. Um, that's done by a kind of diverse group of people on the Discord uh, group right now, and it will be done by the DAO. So the, the goal here is that the DAO will actually decide a couple of different things. One, once a particular coin is created, they will decide which loans are acceptable and will go into the pool or not. And that'll be you know fed into an Oracle and then the Oracle will make that decision. And they will also think about new coins. So you can imagine a group of people coming in and saying, hey, we're really interested in this, but we want to create a coin only for houses in Detroit. And maybe it's a bunch of either people who live in Detroit or are supporting Detroit or used to live there. And they could come in and make a proposal to the DAO and say, hey, we want to create this coin. And, you know, here's the assets that we're willing to put up against that, at least initially. And here are the specifications for loans that we would put in there. Obviously, it'd have to be in Detroit. And, and maybe there's some loan to value or other financial specifications. Or you could go, you know, the other side, which is somebody who says, look, we want to focus on low income housing which has been a huge issue in this country, particularly for the larger financial institutions, because the cost of originating those loans is so high. But of course, on the Bacon Protocol, it's it's very, very low in comparison and a lot faster. And you can imagine somebody you know, making a big push into that space, which I would love to see. And since Bacon Protocol is decentralized, how do you gauge somebody's credit worthiness? I know this is a big problem with lending protocols like Aave, where you have to put up a bunch of collateral to receive a loan. So how do you go about that with Bacon Protocol? And do you have future plans to decentralize this with the DAO? Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's a great question. So originators are considered to be a primary source of, quote, quote product to the protocol. Uh, we're one. We're recruiting other originators uh, from across the country today and then, you know, in the future around the world. And the idea is that the originators handle all of that. And that's their contribution to the protocol, kind of back to this idea that we want to participate in the ecosystem. So we could have said, look, we're the only originator. We didn't. We would love to have Quicken and Loan Depot and you, know, you name it on the protocol originating loans. And so they would make those decisions is kind of the wrong word. Basically, the way a mortgage company works is we take the specifications of the investors who will buy the loans, and then we share them with consumers. And it kind of, it's like a matching system, right? Like a marketplace, except it's the slowest marketplace you've ever seen. And we're trying to make it quite a bit faster. So in this case, what would happen is you would come in and you would say, hey, I want you know to get a home loan. And one of the originators on the chain would, would say, great, well, let's collect your information, credit score, like you pointed out and everything like that. And then they would basically take that and go through all the coins that are available, all the tokens that are available and their specifications say, aha, this is a B, but let's say, I mean, some of the loans are what we call jumbo. So maybe larger loans, like that's a million dollar house. This fits in that bucket and we're going to submit it to the DAO as a loan that should go into the pool and you know the DAO or the oracle says yes or no and they've either got a funded loan or not 
Carl, I know you don't have a whole lot of time left, um, but I'm curious to know how does privacy work uh, in this scenario? Are people's uh, you know credit scores and personal information uh, just sitting on a public blockchain somewhere? No, and that that was a really uh, core tenant for how we built this is that the only things that exist on the blockchain are things you can already get public access to. So the two things the lien exposes is the address of the property and the effectively the value of the lien, um, not even the value of the property. And now the DAO may decide later on that it's worth some people giving up more information than that. I, I don't think so, but, but that's up to, to the DAO and, and of course up to the consumer. Right. So the, the consumer is in full control of that. But as it exists today, all your personal information stays with the originator that uh, does all the investigation and, and basically creates the loan. And then the only thing that gets published on the blockchain is what you could walk down to the county recorder and get anyway. And so the, the idea here is don't expose any more than is already public when you get a lien on your house, which is, is the case in, in all the counties in the United States. And how does it work if somebody defaults on their loan on Bacon Protocol? Does LoanSnap hold all the titles to the real estate or does it work in some other way? So it works just like the way it does today um, for now. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's foreclosure. Uh, there, there, basically, we service the loans and then that gives us the right to foreclose on the loan if there are, are lack of payments. I think the nice thing about using a protocol and using the blockchain is that you can change that. And so you can imagine a world where let's say you miss five payments, five months worth of payments, which is pretty serious. It's over 90 days rather than foreclosing on the house. The protocol could basically decide, hey, we're going to take a larger lien on that house in re to replace the fact that we've lost money over the last five months because you haven't paid it. And that's a brand new concept in lending in, in homeownership and lending. And so basically the idea is that let's say you didn't pay for five months. And now the lien on the house goes from $10,000 to $20,000. And so when you sell the house, you have to pay that off. So the investors are whole and the consumer gets to stay in, in their home, which is, is important. But today it works just like any other loan. There's, there's no difference. We, I think one of our other important tenants, along with privacy and safety for consumers, was to not try to do anything radically different with the core mortgage product out of the gates. We just wanted to get this to work and, and honestly see if it was valuable to the community. And, and so far it's shown to be. The next step will be making some of these changes with the help of the DAO. And this is where the community gets involved and says, you know what? We care about this as far as like foreclosure. We would love to have a better, I would love to have a better solution. And I think, you know, if you get a community of people together, that would probably be one of the hot topics as far as like, how do we solve this in a way that's more consumer friendly than it is today? Carl, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I want to be considerate of it, um, but I want to give you one last chance. If you have anything you want to tell uh, the YouTube viewers out there, any uh, future plans, exciting things to you, any shout outs you want to give, the floor is yours. You bet. Well, the, to the team, thanks for you know building such a great product on the on the Lone Snap and Bacon side. I think for for people, we come join the Discord, you know, or the Telegram, uh, and and see if it's something that you're interested. I think you know the idea here is we've had savings accounts in the real world forever, and right now those have gone from paying two percent to paying like 0.1 percent, and the rest of the money goes to the banks. This is about flipping that to another model where you can earn quite a bit more. And it's backed by the same product that banks use uh, and governments use today to keep your money safe. That's great. 
All right. Well, we will let you get on with your busy workday. I'm very uh, grateful that you came by and, and taught me so much. Uh, I'm sure the audience is as well. Uh, we'd love to have you back on in the future. You have eight, uh, eight mortgages tokenized right now. Uh, actually, nine and, and nine ten, ten is on the block. So yeah, and it, and the the ones that are coming now are pretty interesting because it's by by, by a vote of the Discord group. I think as of oh. next week. So it's kind of exciting. Very cool. I'll have to hop in and check it out. Uh, thanks for your time today, Carl. Great. Thank you all. Nice to meet you. All righty. That was one of the coolest interviews we've done by far. Carl uh, has, has been around the block, no pun intended. He knows what he's doing, building these web startups, these web companies. Uh, and Bacon is certainly, certainly one to keep your eye on, uh, probably under most people's radar at this point, but not for long, I'm sure. Um Ryan, I know you have a, a background in real estate. Do you have any immediate thoughts after the interview? I mean, I thought it was really cool. Carl's obviously a visionary, being one of the first few people at Facebook. His background is super impressive. I'm excited to see where this goes. I mean, right now we're at nine mortgages on the protocol. We're in the in infancy days again. So, I mean, we'll see where it goes. It, it has huge room for growth, and I'm excited to see it. All right. Should we talk about the Santa rally? Yeah, Santa's coming and he's going to give us a $100,000 Bitcoin by Christmas. Uh, I heard it from, was it Investopedia told us that, right? <laughs> uh, financial advice, question mark. Um, all right, here we got the charts up. Bitcoin first off. Uh, what do you see in here? I mean, we're still in a downtrend. We're hitting lower lows and higher or lower lows and lower highs as well. We're kind of in a descending triangle right now. It's not looking good, and I'm waiting to break out of this trend before I make any plays. I mean, I'm not really a trader anyways, but you know, maybe I'll accumulate down here. We are below $50,000, so I think it is a pretty good time in the grand scheme of things. I mean, when you zoom out to 2021, we've been so flat, which makes me really bullish because, I mean, we appreciated so much at the beginning of the year. We went from under $30,000 to over $60,000 really quickly. So that could have been the end of the bull market, but I really don't think it is because we went back down to about $30,000. And as you can see, we've remained relatively flat. I mean, usually during bull markets like this, we'll have a blow off top and things will go vertical. But this is anything but vertical, which makes me really bullish for 2022. Logan, what do you think about these macro trends? Are you also bullish for 2022? Or do you have to wait and see if we're going back up before you turn bullish? Well, uh, as Benjamin Cowan says, 2021 is looking to be an accumulation year. I have to agree. I mean, here are the weekly candles for the entire year. Uh, and, and if you're trying to tell me that's parabolic, I'm not buying it, okay? Uh, I think that we will see some sort of parabolic run uh, on these weekly candles at this large uh, time frame. But it is not. Uh, it has not happened yet, and I don't think it's going to happen until... Uh, you know, maybe the middle of 2022, uh, it could even go into Q3, Q4. Um, the longer it takes, it's probably going to be better. I mean, high, higher peak, the, the later we go. Um, but let us know what you guys think down there in the chat. Is the bull market over? Uh, I'm not thinking so, but only time will tell. We see we are back below the bull market support band. We haven't used this metric in a while, uh, but we used to refer to it quite a lot. So we spent about, uh, let's see, what is that? Six weeks, 10, like two or three months uh, below the bull market support band May through July. Uh, and now we have dipped back below it three weeks underneath already. 
there could be a couple more, honestly. But, uh, you know, macro sentiment uh, I'm feeling is pretty good. Um, because this is the institutional investor cycle, uh, I, I'm kind of feeling like we're going to need some regulatory clarity uh, to see another wave of institutions move in, whether it's the, the spot ETF uh, or something else. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think the spot ETF could definitely be a catalyst here for sure. Uh, but yeah, we're below the bull market support band. I don't expect anything to really happen until we reclaim, you know, $52,000, $53,000 above and hold. Kind of like what we were saying before, uh, but we were relatively flat over the summer after we dip below this bull market support band. So I wouldn't be surprised if we did the same thing, you know, maybe for two, three more weeks at the very least. And then, you know, it could take up to, you know, the end of January into February to reclaim that bull market support band. I think what once we do, that could be a really good buying opportunity moving into 2022. Yeah, definitely. I mean, personally, I'm targeting any, I mean, anything under 50 uh, for, for Bitcoin is going to be a good deal uh, next year. But I think 40, under 46 is just cash money. It's probably not going to go below 42, uh, according to what the whales are saying. But yeah, I mean, anything under 50K can't be upset about it. But 46, 42. Uh, right now is a screaming deal. Yeah, I think $42,000 is probably the next major support for Bitcoin. We saw some highs around there. We saw some resistances earlier on in the year at $42,000. So that's where I'm looking at. Hopefully we hold at $42,000. If we don't, I don't really think we have much support until about $30,000. And that would be extremely bearish at that point. Uh, and hopefully we could hold $30,000 if we do get down that low. Uh, and at that point, we would just be traveling flat this entire year. Uh, as you can see, I mean, we were mm -hmm. at $30,000 during the summer. So that could be a place we could bounce if we do remain bearish for the next couple months. Um, but like you said, time is on our side. If we do go down to $30,000, uh, it's likely that later on in 2022, we could go up much higher than that. Uh, so either way, I'm a perma bull. It doesn't really matter in the short term where these prices go. I think Bitcoin will be you know, in the six figures by next year at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd be, um, I'd be really sad if we saw you know, sub 40K Bitcoin. I'd be surprised for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let us know what you guys think. Drop a comment and smash the like button if you think Bitcoin is going up. Smash the like button if you think Bitcoin is going down. I tricked them. And, and and dislike the like button if uh, <laughs> if you want your portfolio to, to go to zero. <laughs> all right. Here we got Ethereum hourly candles. I'll flip it over to the dailies. Uh, uh, you want to take it away? Uh, man, I cannot see from there, Logan. You have your laptop, okay. but maybe kick it I off. I do, I do. Uh, okay, so here is the beginning of 2022. Uh, it's been a relatively flat year, but compared to Bitcoin, Ethereum has definitely had some more action. I mean, we saw opening the year, Ethereum was at $700. Let us know if you were in ETH at that point. Shout out to you. Uh, now we're trading at $3,860. $3,860 is $3,100 higher than where we started the year. Uh, and we actually see uh, ETH has managed to hold the bull market support band, uh, whereas Bitcoin has not. Um, I mean, we could take a look at the ETH BTC pair, but this has been ETH's uh, you know, couple weeks of strength that we've never seen before. Historically, when Bitcoin crashes, ETH crashes uh, typically harder, right? 
Uh, but now we're not seeing that. We're seeing ETH hold the line. Bitcoin is below. ETH is holding the line. The ETH BTC pair is breaking out. Could ETH flip Bitcoin this market cycle, Ryan? Yes, we're not even that far away, Logan. Look, we're at 0.08 Bitcoin per Ethereum. And I mean, this top here, we got awfully close. This was back in 2018, January 2018. Or was this during the bear market? This was actually during the bear market, right? Uh, I don't know. Oh, no, no, no. This so. was this June 2017. Like okay, First so peak. Was, yeah, this was like mid bull market in 2017. Yep. And we got to about 0.15 Bitcoin per Ethereum. You have to get to like 0.17 for Bitcoin to flip. So we were really close. We were within like 20% of flipping Bitcoin here. And I think we could do it. I mean, we've been consolidating. We broke out of this triangle, and especially now, you know, back in 2017, the only thing Ethereum was really good for was speculation and ICOs. Now people are buying Ethereum to get NFTs. People are buying Ethereum to get stable coins and lend those out and earn interest. People are buying Ethereum to stake it on Ethereum 2.0, which is locked up until Ethereum 2.0 comes out, hopefully sometime in 2022. So there's a mirror out of use cases now for ethereum that's really cutting down on the supply so i would not be surprised whatsoever if ethereum does flip bitcoin and i think if we're going in to q2 or later 2022 for this bull market we could very well see the flipping probably more likely than not in my opinion what do you think logan you think it's more likely than not uh especially if we go into you know q3 q4 of next year at this point, I'd say yes, it is more likely than not that ETH flips Bitcoin. I mean, if you go back to the, the first couple episodes of Moon or Bust, we were having the same conversation. Can ETH flip Bitcoin this year? Uh, and, and I thought, you know, maybe there's, there could be a chance. Uh, but most of the market thought, no, it's not going to happen. Bitcoin is the market leader. Everything follows Bitcoin. Uh, but we've recently seen that change. Now we see ETH breaking out, taking the dominance, and uh, you know it could be a confirmation uh, of this crazy theory that we've had forever. Um, do you think that ETH will start to lead Bitcoin, or will they become independent markets? That's a good question. I think Bitcoin over the long term may follow gold and precious metals more so than other cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. I think Ethereum could lead other altcoins, especially altcoins built on Ethereum mm -hmm. in the DeFi space and in the NFT space. Uh, and Ethereum could become like the market indicator that we see Bitcoin is today for those altcoins. But I think that's pretty far in the future, especially during a bear market. I think that Bitcoin will probably indicate the rest of the markets uh, for all these altcoins. It's probably, in my opinion, three to four years down the line that we see, you know, Bitcoin really decouple with Ethereum and some of these other assets on Ethereum's blockchain. Interesting. Uh, and Ryan, while I have my screen share up, I can't see the comments. So if you see any interesting ones, make oh, sure to throw them up. Another reminder, drop some comments. Let us know what projects you're looking at. Uh, we could take some time to look at NFTs. We got about 15 minutes left on Moon or Bus today. Uh, and I want to take a look at the open interest right now uh, for Bitcoin and Ethereum. So open interest is basically the amount of money that's in the derivatives up or down, long or short on Bitcoin. Uh, and this is really what drives the market. It's not spot trading. It's not uh, anti on, on Coinbase. It is the whales that are doing these der derivatives tradings. Uh, so we saw this huge, huge, huge flush out with the uh, breakdown in price that happened a couple of weeks ago. We see a slight, uh, you know, increase since then, um, but nothing too drastic. Logan, we do have a couple comments here. 
Uh, two from Adjum. One, he wants us to see Enter DAO, ticker ENTR. Apparently, it's a metaverse play. It's also asking for Fluff World NFT. So if you want to move over to NFTs, we could take a look at Fluff World. I personally have not heard of it, uh, but it's verified. So it has to be you know, at least a decent size. Is this the hyper-realistic one? I think I might oh, have seen Fluff this a long World. time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was big, you know, back in early summer when NFTs first started taking up. Uh, if it's the one I'm thinking about right now, we had someone on the show a pretty big name who was invested pretty heavily in Fluff World. Who was it? I want to say it was Alexander Larson, the the co-founder of Axie Infinity. Hmm. I could be wrong, though. You guys, make sure to go and watch every one of our videos from over the summer to figure out who is this big whale in Fluff World because uh, it was definitely someone on the show. OpenSea is tripping right now. Fluff World. Did anybody see these lemons? Drop a comment if you got a lemon. Uh, yeah, this is Fluff World. I remember this yeah. one. Hyper-realistic, kind of creepy. Um, videos, too, though. Let's see. What do they look like? Were they videos over the summer? I don't remember them being videos. I wonder if they updated their metadata. It kind of reminds me of those like things with the solar sensor that you like put in your yeah, car and they yeah, like yeah. pop back and forth. Uh I mean, I don't really know a whole lot about this project. It's kind of hard to to assess a fair value for it. But that being said, like uh, I'm pretty bullish on NFTs, especially if we see this consolidation continue on for another month or two. Um, it, we could see alt season, but I think more likely we'll see ETH or uh, NFT season, uh, and, and it could be bigger. Uh, than anything we've ever seen before by a, a large, large margin. Okay, um, the the adoption of NFTs right now is, is really blowing my mind. I mean, we saw Gunna. Uh, oh, look! I finally got a thousand followers. Got to celebrate. Uh, we saw Gunna get his board ape tattooed on his leg the other day. I didn't see that, uh, bro. I quote tweeted it. Is this alpha? I got zero likes, bro. Well, that's zero. Like you gotta like it. Okay. Well. Uh, <laughs> anyways yeah like they're they're really taking off people are are, are enjoying them and, and they're really spreading through the culture like wildfire uh i mean we saw a little baby tweet out right after this like i'm gonna get people nfts for christmas drop some good nft projects uh and i was watching a, a video of little baby talking about nfts they were asking him to explain them uh and, and you know as far as the technology goes he didn't have that much to say but he understood the concept behind nfts uh and that was enough for him i think that that um that showed me that despite this being a little bit technical it's still capable of, of mainstream adoption right so i think that this is only going to continue uh from this point on ryan are you bullish on nfts right now I am. I think it's all going to be about timing right now. We've had this quiet time in the fungible token markets, which are typically good for NFTs. But mm -hmm. I'm waiting for Coinbase NFT platform to come out uh, as well as show you. I mean, show you was supposed to come out months ago. I don't know what happened with that, but the developers need to do something because Sushi token is not doing very well right now. Uh, but I think Coinbase NFT will come out soon, hopefully, you know, within the next month or so. If that happens and crypto stays flat, I think it could be primed for a breakout in the NFT market 
markets. Uh, I'm definitely excited for it. Logan, do you want to pull up the Adidas NFTs? I know we both got a couple of them mm -hmm. uh, just a couple days ago, but the, the mint price on these were 0.2 ETH. So it was pretty expensive, uh, but definitely well worth it because now they're reselling for 0.7 each. And if you had a bored ape or a mutant ape, you were able to get in on the pre-sale of this. So that was really cool to see. Uh, you know, I was able to flip one. I sold one of mine. Logan's holding on to both of his. Uh, but I sold one of mine and I made a profit even after considering I'm holding the other one, right? So I made like five, 600 bucks holding on to the other one. What's cool about these NFTs though, is that you get free merch from Adidas uh, heading into 2022. So you get a track jacket, you get track pants, a hoodie uh, and a beanie. So you get all this free merch. We see Board Ape Yacht Club merch are already selling for four to $500 on StockX. So I figure, you know, I'm going to wear the merch, but if I wanted to, I could sell maybe the track pants if I don't want those and make my money back from the NFT while still keeping my NFT. So I thought this was a no brainer. Picked up two, like I said, Logan still has his. Uh, Logan, are you going to you know keep both of those, get all that merch and try selling your merch and then maybe one of the NFTs? Or are you planning on holding them out you know, over the long run? What's your game plan with these? You know, okay, so I have a lot of thoughts on this, right? So I think that the merch is definitely going to uh, be valuable. There's going to be a resale market around it, especially for those who get into NFTs, uh, Punks Comics, and Board Apes after uh, this point. I think that that once the merch is claimed, the NFTs are going to go down in value because of that. Uh, but the NFT it does more than, than just the clothes, right? Um, so there's the physical rewards, which are mentioned here. But there's also the digital rewards. So open metaverse, virtual land experiences, whatever that means, I'm not too sure right now. Uh, but it looks like this NFT is going to have more value added to it as time goes on. Uh, so as we see more and more brands come into the, the metaverse crypto space, I think that these uh, OG adidas nfts uh, are going to be quite quite collectible long term um so you know i mean if i could get like uh you know something decently over one eth in the short term i might let go of one of them uh but i have the i have some weird feeling that um the this is just like the pack and they're they're going to reveal and, and they'll turn into individual characters at some point uh, they haven't said anything about this. I'm totally just like making it up myself. Um, you know, maybe trying to cope with the fact that I could have sold it a little bit higher the other day. Uh, but not really. Like if they do reveal and they have rare attributes, I definitely want to double my chances uh, at, at getting a rare NFT. Um, definitely more than the, the profits that I could lock in at this point. I think I'm willing to take that risk. Uh, but I mean, I could sell one of them and pay for both of them and still just ride it out like you're doing. Uh, I don't think you could really go wrong either way. What do you think about how they handled this drop? The volume we're seeing so far, it's just nuts. And also the total number of owners. Yeah, I mean, that's extremely impressive that we're almost up to 20,000 owners on this Adidas Originals mm -hmm. NFT. That's more than Board Ape Yacht Club, obviously, because there's only 10,000 of them. But it's also, you know, more than Mutant Ape Yacht Club. 
it's more than almost any other NFT project. So this is definitely bringing some mainstream adoption with it. I think Adidas could give special privileges out to the NFT holders in the future. Like obviously they're getting this this board API club merch, but I think in the future, you know, if Adidas has some limited edition clothes, it could be possible that these NFT owners get pre-sale access to it. I wouldn't be surprised if this is almost like the future of streetwear with limited releases. Adidas does Yeezys. They do a lot of other limited drops. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, some of these NFT owners do end up getting special access. Mm. And then by holding this NFT, you can print money. Uh, yeah. It's kind of similar with the blue chip NFTs. I mean, we both got in on this because we have mutant apes. Uh, and essentially, our cost basis is getting lower and lower for these mutant apes because mm. we're getting uh, exclusive access to some of these other NFTs, which I absolutely love. You know, all these random perks you get uh, to lower your cost basis. So, I mean, now we're down, you know, maybe an ETH or so. Uh, off of what we paid for them just from this one drop. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also this 10K FT I was looking at just the other day, you can mint with your blue chip NFT different fashion items. You can't wear them into Decentraland yet. You can't do much with them, but the roadmap's really cool. And Beeple is involved in this. Beeple is the digital artist who sold an NFT for record-breaking $69 million. The floor price on this project right now is 0.14 ETH, so pretty affordable to get in. And it seems like metaverse fashion really is the trend right now. We just had Michael Gordon, CEO of Global Digital Assets, and he said, I think metaverse fashion is going to be the trend over the next couple months. And now we see Adidas with Board API Club. We see Nike pick up Artifact. They acquired the entire company. Uh, so, I mean, it seems like he's right. And, and this looks like a good project to get in on uh, before some type of big brand tries and go after and either acquire them or partner with them. All right. So what are we shopping for here? Uh, how do you filter it? High yeah. tops? High tops? Sure. Can you do it by uh, the collection? Can you look at maybe apes or mutant apes or is that not a not a filter? collection yes you can oh, cool ape let's go for the mutants mutant mutant high tops sounds good to me yo these are drip bro when is joe la puma gonna do sneaker shopping on OpenSea? <laughs> so i mean yeah these are kind of expensive even at 0.2 eth just because there's no real utility with them just yet like I wish they had a roadmap out because if I knew that I was getting some future utility from these, I would certainly be buying them up. But I guess that's where the upside comes in, right? If they suddenly release that, you know, they're working with a big fashion brand or they're making a, a game where you can wear these in and you get special perks. Uh, there's a ton of different things they can do. And they have a big network of creators, including people that are working on this project. So I definitely will not be surprised if they add some more utility to these NFTs in the future, which would certainly make the prices increase. Yeah, this is definitely a cool project. Um, I'm very bullish on metaverse fashion, uh, but I definitely have to learn more about 10K FT before I picked up uh, any of these sneakers for a quarter ETH. That's like, an, that's like an iPad these days. It's more than real Jordans. It is more than real <laughs> Jordans. Um, but circling back, one last thought I had on the Adidas NFT is that like the NFT could be kind of a way to get around bots, right? So right now, whichever of the resellers that has the fastest and the most up-to-date bot uh, will get the most checkouts. I mean, there's kids out here getting 50 PlayStation 5s when they get added to the site uh, where most people are getting zero, right? So Adidas has already integrated these NFTs with their confirmed app. Uh, which is where you get those limited sneaker drops. So I could see it being like a, like a five minute, you get five minutes of early access to the sneaker drop if you hold this NFT, right? And then the people that have those bots are 
not going to be able to use them unless they get the NFTs, right? So the the people uh, that that use it to make a living, uh, that trade sneakers constantly and make a ton of money off of it, they're all going to need this NFT as a business expense, right? So that's just one other possible use case that Adidas could implement, add a ton more value to it in the future. And like, if it did give you five minutes, if it gave you the ability to like get the sneakers almost every time, then it would be worth a ton of money, right? So that could drive the value of the NFT way, 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 way up. And it would also get everybody who is into the sneaker and the reselling game into the crypto game as well. So I think it's a win all around. All right, we're out of time for today. Ryan, what else do you have for us? Any other closing thoughts? Uh, this was pretty fun to, to be up here yeah, on the stage, like it. do it next to yeah, each other. It's pretty cool. Yeah, happy holidays from Benzinga. I noticed that Logan didn't put my Twitter name in, in the handle below. So if you guys are wondering, it's just Ryan on chain. No spaces, no underscores, just Ryan, R-Y-A-N, on, O-N, chain, C-H-A-I-N. That's all you got to do. Type into Twitter, sauce me a follow. Uh, Logan's is more complicated. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. But he already has a 1,000 followers, so, I mean, he's famous already. Please verify me. <laughs> All right. Thanks for tuning in today, everybody. Uh, appreciate you as always. Make sure to smash the like button if you haven't yet. Uh, that's all that Ryan wants for Christmas. Um, that's it, though. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoy your holidays. We will be off, obviously, on Friday, the Monday after. It's going to be a while before we see you again. Uh, so make sure to connect with us on Twitter. Say what's up. Feel free to DM us if you got any burning questions over the holidays. How do you explain non-fungible tokens, Unisox to Auntie? Uh, we'll, we'll help you out. All right. Peace. <laughs>